Hi, this is Eric Y. Chen, host of the Y Factor podcast, where I interview entrepreneurs, CEOs, and individuals on how they got started in their business. I take a deep dive to understand their journey through life, uncovering their purpose, and most importantly, discussing their whys. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Hey everybody, this is Eric White Chen. It's been a very long time. We took a short break through the year of 2020 when the uh, pandemic uh, started. And so what I figured was to give podcasting a break, recruit and rest in order to, you know, let everyone figure out what to do in this situation. And I think we've gotten to a point where the pandemic isn't going away or, or coronavirus isn't going away. And um, so everyone is just adapting to the new lifestyle. And what I wanted to do was get the podcast going again with an introduction with a new guest, but a longtime college friend to join me. And I'd love to have you introduce yourself. Sure. Thanks for letting me be on this podcast. I'm Eric Bravo. We've known each other since UC Davis. I guess a little bit about about myself. I'm currently a production assistant on Rugrats and Nickelodeon and into any like creative field like photography, videography, music, and yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I feel like you're very humble with your <laughs> with your resume all on its own. I mean, Rugrats in itself is that baby show. I think we all at least the 90s babies grew up on and watching yeah. on, on Nickelodeon. So was there something more dear to your heart about wanting to work on this certain production or just the matter of fact that Rugrats is even still going on or? Yeah. I mean, like it did define like our childhood. I feel like, like all the 90s babies, we grew up watching that and, and to be a part of something that we grew up watching and, and it did shape my life. You know, I have like some of the best memories watching that show with my brother and um, just to be, just to have the opportunity to be a part of that again, is just pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So what are some of the other shows that you were able to work on at Nickelodeon? Yeah. So before Rugrats, I was on, there was a reboot for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is Rise of the TMNT. And on that show, I was a production assistant script coordinator. And actually this week, tomorrow is going to be the finale for that, for the season. So definitely try to check that out on, on Nicktoons. Yeah. By the time our listeners are listening to this, it'll probably be last week when the episode is released. We're recording on August 6th today. And I think by the time this episode is live, it'll be the following week. And so you're the finale for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle will have already aired. Yeah. So no, that's, that's awesome. So you know, I wanted to, to circle back on, you know, Eric and I, we actually hung out uh, a few times with our other buddy named Eric. So it was always confusing. <laughs> so we just referred to each other by our last names. But I have to say your your last name is uh, much cooler than our last names. <laughs> Mine's Chen and then the other Eric. Eric's last name is Ho. So out of all three, I think Bravo is the coolest last name that <laughs> you could have. But in terms of college, I mean, we we met each other if not at DSP, the business fraternity, then just through our mutual friends or probably Eric Ho. 
but I, I think, you know, I were having a conversation that I actually, we probably didn't know each other through DSP because I had rushed and I had dropped out of rushing yeah. DSP. So I didn't end up getting to join you, but I found it interesting that you actually were a founding father of, of DSP as well, right? Yeah. So before UC Davis, I was actually going to UC Santa Cruz doing a business major as well, but I decided my junior year to transfer to Davis. And, uh, but before I transferred, I actually helped founded the um, chapter at DSP at UC Santa Cruz. So I'm technically a founding father there. And right after I crossed, I started my new, I started UC Davis and I just started my career at my DSP journey at UC Davis. So that was kind of like a weird transition. Yeah. You know, what's yeah. funny is I actually was supposed to go to Santa Cruz. So maybe you and I would have crossed paths at yeah. some point <laughs> had I gone to, to Santa Cruz, but yeah, I mean, DSP, it, I, I bring this up because, you know, most people who do join this and even a lot of our peers uh, and, and friends, they join DSP to get more involved within the business majors and go down a certain trajectory and career path. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of us, even our listeners here, they know someone who's in DSP and then most likely these, uh, these friends have all gone off to predominantly finance careers yeah in one way or another so what was it for you to pretty much like steer away from going into or out of the business focus or major yeah i mean i think for me personally i've always been into you know the creative field i've always loved animation always loved music always loved photography and i think there's something inside of me that just kept pulling and and tugging me to the creative field and uh, it wasn't until my super senior year of uh, college, my fifth year of college, when I got the Warner Brothers internship in, in the fall term as an international marketing intern, I, it opened up the gates for me to intern at other places, including Nickelodeon and DreamWorks. And when I got the internship at Nickelodeon, it was in the vault department. So I was dealing with a lot of old Nickelodeon assets like Ren and Stimpy, CatDog, like background cells, background paintings, uh, and old animation cells. I even saw like Hey Arnold, the pilot reel, which is like Mm -hmm. super amazing. And during that internship, I was able to pitch a cartoon to Nickelodeon. It was open to to everybody. It was the animated shorts program. And I ended up pitching this, this short. They really liked it. Unfortunately, that year they passed on it. But the following year, they asked me to pitch again. I pitched The Outsiders. And uh, they ended up picking that up. Was that a competition within the, the company itself? No, usually like animation studios, they want to create these shorts to kind of test the waters of like what direction they should go. So these shorts, I don't know if you know, but The Loud House was one of the shorts and it kind of blew up from there. Like it got a good reception from the shorts program and it's one of Nickelodeon's bigger shows now. So I think it's just a chance for them to give creators an opportunity to, you know, show what they're capable of, but then also to see how the audience reacts to it. Yeah. So basically the, the testing grounds and having creative minds such as yourself to have an opportunity to make it big. 
Yeah, and it, it was super special too because I didn't have like too much experience in animation. I was an intern, like going from intern to the creator writer of my own like cartoon short was, you know, a huge learning curve for me. And and I didn't know really how to handle it. I was 23 when I got that, and you know, I I honestly had no idea like how to capitalize on that. So I actually ended up during the same time, cause it was part-time. So during that same time I was working at Google on the self-driving car project uh, while making that cartoon with Nickelodeon. So during my lunch, I would just remember going taking calls for Nickelodeon and just making like notes like, oh, I like this design. I don't like this design. I remember I, would, I was waking up at like 4.30 every morning to catch the, the bus, the Google shuttle bus to go work by seven. And then during lunch, just work on Nickelodeon. And then after work, just work on Nickelodeon. So I just, it was super busy during that time. But thinking back is like some of the best memories, you know. Yeah. So then it sounds like you had started a career or you graduated college and started mm-hmm. a career at Google. Yeah. And then no, no, no. I graduated college. I got the short and then the short was part time. And I was still living in, in the Bay at the time with my parents. Mm-hmm. So Nickelodeon would fly me down when they needed me. So it was all like virtual. And then at the time I had, I think a month after I found out I got the Nickelodeon short, I got, an opportunity to work on the self-driving car for Google. And that was pretty, you know, that's always been a dream of mine too. You know, like I had one foot in tech, one foot in animation, but yeah. And eventually I decided I wanted to focus more on the creative field. So I decided to leave Google and just focus on animation. But when I moved to LA, I had a hard time getting my foot into the animation industry I thought it would be easy because I had a bunch of internship experience. I had this cartoon with Nickelodeon. You know, I I thought getting a production assistant job, which is like the entry level position, would be super easy. And like my resume was was good. But I actually had a huge, like a hard time finding a PA job. Yeah. And what what was the, the competition? Like, you think like the reason why, you know, they were passing you over with such an impressive resume in comparison to other people, you think it was just connections or that other people had even crazier stuff that like they were already doing shorts by the time they're teenagers? (laughs) I think, yeah, I I think that's what hindered me in a weird way because I had an internship. I I had these internships and then having an internship to to having the title of creator, writer of my own short, I, I think the studios didn't believe it and they just didn't like they didn't, I, I couldn't get any interviews pretty much. And I, I thought I, it was so weird because it's like, I have this good resume. I have these like this short, like I'm in the industry and I can't even get an entry level position. So I ended up using my business degree and, and I actually worked at Lionsgate as a financial analyst. And I never thought I would do that, <laughs> but you know, having the skills in DSP and like having that manager economics degree from Davis, kind of saved my butt you know it, it paid paid the bills for sure yeah it's a, it's an interesting journey that you know you ha- you took the opportunity to go from the tech part which you had a foot in and then while doing creative work then decided to dive into doing creative basically mm-hmm. full time but then it didn't really work out 
at, at that point in time, right? Yeah. So for you, I mean, what was that thought process of like deciding that this isn't the route or that you had to go look for other options? And that's when you decided to apply for other gigs at that point. I mean, I, I had savings when I moved to LA from my time at Google and, and from the Nickelodeon short. But when I moved to LA, I wasn't working and I thought, you know, I was just kind of like goofing off and thought I would get a job eventually. And so my bank account was like close to zero and I was like eating through all my savings. And that's when I had to get a job, you know, and that's when I busted out my, my college degree. And, and, and really if, cause I, I realized if I wanted to stay in the industry, I needed to, you know, get a paying job. Yeah. So then for you, I, I guess even just getting a job within the industry that you want to be in is also mm-hmm. kind of a, a foot in the door too. Right. And that gives you an opportunity to be able to network around and. Yeah. And like, I actually met one of my good friends in LA. His name's Austin. He's my coworker at Lionsgate and he's really into music production as well. And he was like my, he, he sat next to me. So it was such a weird experience because we both were very creative people. We both love music, but we were in this finance position. But just being around him kind of inspired me to continue to make music and, and kind of like push me in that way. So in a weird, strange way, going to Lionsgate helped me creatively as well and, and helped me push you know, just, just find people that I would have never found. Yeah. Do you think this was just more of like a fate type thing that occurred? Just yeah, I, I think definitely it was, it was I, I had no idea that I was going to meet this like other creative person, another financial analyst at Lionsgate, you know, but you know, it's, faith is faith i guess yeah it seems like i mean everyone in in socal or you know los angeles would have some sort of you know creative hobby or interest and but then they might just be stuck with the finance job right so for you you had an opportunity to get an education Mm -hmm. and take that and actually be able to get a job to then start paying the bills and sustain yourself so i guess during that time you were already working on music and other creatives at that point, right? Mm-hmm. So then for you, what are you doing today now with like a transition? Are you still working corporate or are you now working on creative full-time? So my full-time job is at Nickelodeon as a PA on the Rugrats. But on the side, I am still doing creative work and I'm actually releasing an album tomorrow called Need to Know, which I made during the quarantine months because we have so much time you know Mm -hmm. and along with the album is i'm also making a short to accompany it with so that's just been a big project for me creatively and i think it just having been through all that i've been through before creatively you know with with music and like just learning the business side of music and animation and and finance it kind of like gave me all the skills to make this album and and i just feel like it's the best work that i've ever done you know and and i'm just super excited for it to come out and and be released and i'm excited for people to hear it and Mm -hmm. my goal is to get on billboard and hopefully i could get there you know (laughs) if i get enough streams and enough sales but i think i have a good chance but 
yeah, I think this is like, the best project that I've ever made so far. Yeah, no, that's, that's amazing, right? Like you're, you're still working full time, you're able to work on a passion project. And I, you know, we've been able to, or I've been able to listen to uh, a few songs in itself. And you actually have some pretty big names on this project. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I think if you can share, you know, who you have and, and kind of the inspiration for this yeah. project. I mean, for the Bay Area folks listening, I have <laughs> Mr. Fab, Kick the Sneak, Neff the Pharaoh. And that's just kind of like a throwback to like the old, like 06 hyphy movement with the new, like current twist. Also have Mick Jenkins, Casey Veggies from Odd Future, Dizzy Wright, Rocky Fresh, and, and a couple others too. But this album too, I kind of took the DJ Khaled approach where, you know, I want to take the executive route. Like making my, my cartoon short with Nickelodeon, I realized, you know, I, I don't have to draw to make it you know i just have to have like the best team and try to find the best animator try to find like the best directors to help me build the best product that i could and i kind of oversee every everything from conception to from inception to conception and that's kind of how i treated this album as well where it's like yeah I, i could make my own you know music and i could be on the song but I know there's better people out there that could just like absolutely kill this track, you know, like, and I just took that approach, you know, and, and I, I think it turned out really well. I'm super happy with it. And also with this album too, it is a mix of, you know, different genres. It, it has hip hop, it has rock alternative. It, have, it has like indie music and it also has jazz. Like it, it's just like, Every genre that I love, I put into this and I try to make it seamless throughout. Yeah, this is basically your your creative baby. <laughs> your, yeah. What do they call it? A, a love tape? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically. A love yeah. tape to the world, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's interesting that you, you, know, you bring this all up and, and that you mentioned, you know, this is pretty much the m- work that you're most proud of, right? Because just even getting a glimpse into your, your work history, your career paths, the projects you worked on, you, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be jealous about the opportunity to work at Nickelodeon at, mm-hmm. at DreamWorks. Right. Mm-hmm. And just having opportunities like that to be surrounded by other creative outlets, but then, and then even releasing a, a short working at Google, but then releasing the album that you as a creative don't even sing yourself and correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like you do have songs where you do sing previously. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do. It's interesting to to hear like you as a creative are now taking more of that executive approach to Mm -hmm. just having an entire vision come to life and then recognizing, you know, or being self-aware that you want to bring in the talented folks to to do it. I mean, yeah. And, and, and I got that from, Walt Disney is like one of my inspirations of all time. And I got that from him because he could, from the research that I did of him, he could draw, but he always knew that he wasn't the best drawer. So he recognized it was better for him to hire people and to hire the best artists to make the best project. And I'm okay with that too. You know, like I don't have to 
be on the song to make the best song. And I just feel like once I let that go, it just opened up a whole new world for me. And just, I perceive things a lot differently now, you know, and I don't have to, you know, be on a song or I don't have to like be able to draw to make a project. And, and I just, I kind of do want to take that route that Walt Disney took because he was able to accomplish a lot in his life. And I mean, that'll be a dream to accomplish just like, <laughs> like a portion of what he did, you know, like, yeah. But yeah. Created an entire empire basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. He created a whole empire just with a cartoon short. Like it's just, just so from amazing. a mouse, right? Just started. Yeah, with a mouse. exactly. Tiniest little, one of the tiniest little animals. That's such an interesting like mindset. And you mentioned like, you know, being able to let that go. I feel like mm-hmm. a lot of people they're striving to, you know, do more and, you know, basically like take control of everything that they possibly can and have to do it themselves. So was mm-hmm. this part of like, part of the research was that from like a book you read, one of his like autobiographies or just like, just con- constant, just research that you, you did yourself. Just constant research. I love documentaries. I love listening to interviews. So any book on Walt Disney I, or any like documentary on YouTube or on TV, I just gobbled it up and just listened and devoured it. Audiobooks and as well. And that just, just constant. And it would, I would repeat like the same content over and over again. So it would just like stick in my head. And I think it just stuck. And before too, I was... Like, I I need to do everything myself. You know, I can't like let go of this. But once I let go and and once it like hit me that, you know, if I want to make something big, I can't do it by myself. You know, things started changing for me. And and that's why I do think this music project is the best project ever because I did let go of everything, but I oversaw everything too. Yeah. And then you're making it into, to your vision, right? Exactly. As your creative. No, it's, it's such a, such a, crazy mindset to even you know hear that from you i even myself and you know have been on this journey you know through entrepreneurship and Mm -hmm. wanting to like take control of most projects that i'm doing but then you know now having come to realization that yeah i should really look for the talent to be able to assist with other areas that might take me a lot longer with less Mm -hmm. quality of it and then you know, maybe the client wouldn't be so, so happy, but then now it's like, yeah, just tapping into the expertise of others. And basically it's, it's like harvesting their talent mm-hmm. and be able to you know showcase what they're capable of too, or at least like push their boundaries in the creative side. So yeah. I definitely, you know, see how beneficial that is. And I think a lot of people you know, should try to realize that about themselves or, or try to dive deeper into realizing that, you know, there are certain areas of your life or even your project or your work, you know, to just let go, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll be the, the name of your, your next album. Yeah. <laughs> after. Um, yeah, let it go, right? <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't, I just can't compete with uh, Frozen. Um, yeah. But the- yeah, you, even like piggybacking off of that too, we do live in a world where there's a bunch of opportunity for us. You know, we, we have internet and we have like all the answers that, we could ever ever like want you know and we i don't think we should be focused on like one thing if you're creative if you're interested in different aspects or different fields in life like like gardening or like i don't know photography or or some something like whatever you're interested in 
like you could do it, you know, and, and you should be able to have the time to like pursue everything that you want to do. So you do have a lot of projects, right? A lot of different things within your resume, a lot of different paths that you've taken. It's all creative. Do you ever feel like at a point where you're just doing too much and that you're not really realizing the full potential if you stuck with one thing or you should, you know, like you just mentioned, do a few different things and explore different passions? Like what, what's your stance on that? Yeah, I think before I was a little bit more stubborn where I thought I could do everything in one day, but Donald Glover is like another inspiration for me too. And just kind of studying how he did it where he just focused hardcore on just like one aspect, like just writing. But then on the side, he made music. And then once the music started popping off, like he shifted and then, you know, he, he was always planting these seeds everywhere, but whatever took off, he would like focus on it, you know? So I think if I want to like do multiple things in my careers, then I should just like focus on one major thing in my life. Like right now it's like music, but then also plant the seeds like animation, photography, writing, you know? So I'm always learning. I'm always doing something. So when the opportunity does come for, you know, animation or writing, I'm ready. I love it. You do mention writing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think you really mentioned it before, or at least writing in the sense that it's not like production or script or creative writing it, but you Mm -hmm. did write your own book as well. I did. Yeah. (laughs) Just throw that into the mix of your resume here for our, for our listeners. Yeah. Yeah. I did write how to get an animation internship. And the reason why I wrote it was because a lot of, I had a blog, the storyboard room where I kind of wanted to give people information, how to get into the animation industry for free. Cause it took me a while to figure out. And once I was in it, you know, there, there's not a lot of information out there and I just want to, you know, I don't want to like be a guard, like a guard, like, Oh, you can't come into this industry. Like, no, like if you, if you're interested in it, you should have the same opportunities as I had. So I just wanted to bridge that gap. And I used to get a, a ton of emails and LinkedIn messages asking how to get into animation. And it just took me a while to respond to everybody. So I just compiled all the, answers into one book and just went detailed like I just was super detailed with how I did it and my journey into the animation industry and just showed you different tips and, and tricks and even I provide my resume and cover letters that got me into these animation programs and yeah I just wanted it to be an opportunity for I just wanted people to have an opportunity to get into the animation industry and and everything that I know about the industry I put in that book. So you will have everything on that. I'm sure. I mean, I, I didn't read it because I'm not trying to get into the animation industry, yeah, yeah. but I'm sure this is part of that journey where, you, you know, you came to Los Angeles to find a job too, right? Is mm-hmm. that part of the, the climb? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I do talk about, you know, going to Los Angeles and not being able to find a job and working at Lionsgate as well. But yeah, I, I talk about everything in that book. And, and the cool thing about it too, a couple of people reached out to me saying that they got internships after reading the book and they got internships at Warner Brothers or they got internships at DreamWorks and, and Leica, which made me super happy. You know, like they sent me this super like sweet email just thanking me for, you know, helping them like, pursue this internship. So 
Yeah, you gotta you, you can update the book edition or something, and then include all all yeah. of these uh, testimonials. Because, yeah, maybe, it maybe works. yeah, maybe soon. And I just found out this week that it it's on Target. I had sold on Target and then Walmart and Barnes and Nobles as well, and that's a huge accomplishment for that, me. Like that a, is like, huge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a I cool remember, little milestone. Yeah, I remember this past week I saw that you posted that it was it was on Target now, but I feel like that in itself is already a huge accomplishment for, for someone such as, you know, yourself, like being able to publish a book, publish a short and about to release a, an album too. So yeah, like hitting the trifecta, right. In terms of like yeah. songwriting or song animation and book. <laughs> yeah. And the finale for turtles too. This yeah. Week. Yeah. It's, it's a huge week. Yeah. You've been able to basically like touch upon an entire, like, the range of millennials in terms of like, Hey Arnold, the Rugrats, like everything we watched at Nickelodeon. And then obviously for Bay Area folks, it's, it's like, like the whole E40 era. Yeah. Um, the hyphy, hyphy movement. So yeah, your, your, your whole life and autobiography really is like a, a timeline for, for us millennials. Yeah, definitely came full circle, but I think now as I'm approaching 30, I, I just want to like, you know, do some new stuff and, and kind of like progress, you know, and, and do, try something, try something new. Yeah. What's next uh, for you? I don't know. I, I kind of just want to take a break after this and just relax. After the album is. Re- is yeah. It, it was a lot for me. I didn't realize that I was going to make an album. I thought I was just going to make like an EP with five songs, but yeah. ended up making like 20 plus songs and then I cut it down to 12. Mm-hmm. And also doing that cartoon short or doing a, a short to go with the album while working full time just took a, a toll on me. So I just want to like chill out for a little bit after that. But I think I actually might start YouTube. Like a, I have a YouTube channel mm-hmm. that I post sometimes. I post my music on there and like I give some advice for animation. Now that I have all this time, I kind of want to pursue that and you know, just give more, make more videos about how to get into the animation industry and how I got the Nickelodeon short, how I pitched it, just so I could be transparent with anyone who's interested in it and just so everyone can know, like, my blueprint so they could do it if they're interested, too. I just feel like I should give back, like, everything that I know. There's no point in me, like, holding it, you know? Yeah. No, I absolutely love it. I mean, that that's the the same concept, I mean not in a creative sense, but in terms of, you know, my, my business, the projects that I've worked on, helping other clients and just having all that know-how and being able to share that and give all of that knowledge to, to people. I'm tired of the industry of the, you know, the fake e-commerce gurus and yeah. you know, they, they hit success for one day on, on an ad. So they take that screenshot and then like, you know, try to take advantage of that, but then it's just never consistent. Right. So I'm basically working on this this new site called launchbrandgrow.com and it's basically to cover even stories like yourself in terms of success, right? Because success is relative to each individual and that's something I want people to realize, right? Whether it's to make a comfortable, you know, $75,000 a year or six figures or even seven figures, mm-hmm. is it to own like, you know, an entire business or is it a self-ran business? You're trying to build like a 500 person team and and all of that, and just basically covering those topics, and right, and, and it just ranges from you know an individual all, all the way to like you know a large company and stuff. 
And so, you know, I'd love to, to share your story and, and your insight into, into that project as well. Yeah, that would be amazing. That sounds amazing too. You know, I, I feel like every industry, there should be like, you know, it should be more transparent for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where can people, one, if they're interested in getting a job in animation, you said you, they can get the book at Target, Walmart. Yeah, you can get the book online at all like Amazon, iBook, Google Books, and, but then also at Target, uh, Walmart, and Barnes & Noble. All right. I will provide those links on the site via the podcast. And then for your album, where can people find that? My album, you could find that. It's going to be released on Spotify, you know, all the streaming services, Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal. It's going to be on my YouTube channel and also Bandcamp. Bandcamp is for sure going to be released by tomorrow and all the other streaming services. It should be released by next week as well. Mm. And what do people have to look up? To find your album, oh, sorry. it's called Need to Know, and uh, my artist name is Ravo, R A V, like in Victor O. Why did you omit the the B from your last name? I don't know, man. I I just wanted something different, and I really wanted to use Bravo, but there's so many Bravos out there, mm. and the Bravo, even the Bravo like channel, it was just like a mess with this SEO. <laughs> <laughs> So I was just like, eh, it's gonna, and it, it looks Bravo. The four letters look good, you know. It's, yeah. it's aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, no, I like it. I've actually, you know, for my listeners, I'm sure there's a few people who've come across this, but had I done better research, but obviously, I like the name of this podcast, right? It's called mm-hmm. Y Factor Podcast with the letter Y. The only yeah. issue in terms of SEO is that there's another podcast with the actual spelling of Y W H Y, and so if you do type in mine that one will also pop up. So that's mm. who I'm in competition with. Okay. I um, believe you could, you could do that. <laughs> that's the, that's the idea. It's, that's, the goal. that's that's one goal. And then the other goal is to have the name Eric Chen be number one, because I think it's some like doctor or some like, you know, some <laughs> kids who won science awards and stuff. If you look up oh, Eric Chen God. on Google. So to be yeah. the number one. Eric. I'm, the, I'm the same too. For Eric Bravo, there's this doctor like I'm always competing with. Uh, yeah, these guys went on the right path because they have to, in order for them to get indexed, they have to do like something noteworthy too within their yeah. field to get like public <laughs> up onto the interweb. So yeah, yeah. it's definitely you, tough competition for the Eric's for sure. Well, I mean, you have a lot better opportunity because you're getting a lot of your work published via the internet, right? So uh, you should be you should be fine. That's true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for jumping on on the show. I'm really happy to have you as kind of like the reopening of the or the relaunch of this podcast. You know, for this year, I'm sure a lot of listeners are going to be you know super excited to hear your story and. Obviously, they've listened to this point, so I want to just thank you for for sharing your story and your journey, and hopefully, they'll be able to follow you and see what else you have in store for for them. Yeah, and thanks for having me on too. I can't wait to listen to the other guests you're going to have. You know, <laughs> awesome. All right, talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening until the very end. You can find more information about my guest on the website at whyfactorpodcast.com. I'll provide any links and promo codes that were mentioned in the interview. A full transcription of the interview is also available on the website. Share with your friends and tune in next time 
for another episode of The Y Factor. 